setting and managing your core values and mission criteria, growth through ambassadors and virality, and a way to monetize the secondhand trading in your products. It's the e-commerce master plan podcast here to help you solve your marketing problems and grow your e-commerce business. Cutting through the hype to bring you inspiration and advice from the e-commerce sector and beyond. Here's your host, Chloe Thomas. Hello and welcome. It's great to have you here. Throughout January, we were bringing you two episodes a week as part of our annual growth series. This week, we're back to normal. Ah, just episodes on Mondays. But our focus on growth and the path to net zero continues. In today's episode, I'm chatting to someone who's built her business ground up based on sustainability and ethical principles, and who's recently launched an amazing new Shopify app that you can use to monetize that secondhand market for your own products. Loads on all of that coming up, including some great marketing tips as well. Before we get into all that, though, please do check out our sponsors. Are you looking to increase your sales without a lot of extra work? Omnisend's email and SMS marketing automation platform is tailor-made for e-commerce businesses like you. It's got everything you need to start making more sales immediately, including one-click integrations with the major e-commerce platforms and super easy migration from your existing email marketing platform. They even have award-winning all-human 24-7 customer support who will help you out in under six minutes. No more trying to get past the chatbot. Omnisend is trusted by over 70,000 e-commerce brands and me. Yes, we run our email marketing on the Omnisend platform. Ready to join us? Well, sign up for a free account at ecmp.info forward slash Omnisend and use the code masterplan2022 to save 15% on paid plans when you need them. And now to introduce today's special guest. Kalkadan Legesi is the Managing Director of Sancho's, an ethical and sustainable fashion and lifestyle bricks and clicks boutique. Founded in 2015, they now do between eight and 1,500 orders a month. Drapers, the UK's fashion industry magazine, named Kalkadan in their 30 under 30 list for 2021. And she's also the founder of Schwab, an easy way for brands to add a resale marketplace to their business. Hello, Kalkadam. Hello, Chloe. Thank you for having me. It's awesome to have you on here. I'm really excited to get into what you're up to with both your businesses. But first off, how did you how did you end up in the world of e-commerce? Oh gosh, um, I think like so many others, I got swept up in the most sensible way to run a retail company <laughs> in the 21st century. Um, yeah, I wanted to sell more products. <laughs> That's how I ended up <laughs> in e-commerce. Like, how do I reach more people who want my product? The web is the way. And what led you to to start Sancho's? Sancho's was another stumble on my part. Essentially, I, I thought I'd go into sustainable development, really interested in kind of the role NGOs had to play in that. Worked for a couple of NGOs and saw that it's not necessarily the best way to increase the kind of income of people experiencing poverty, whereas um, business and fashion is much more straightforward and it's a much more kind of um, mutually dignified way to um, not help people, but 
share value essentially. So yeah, so I got into Sancho's hoping to create more fair jobs, particularly in the global south and particularly in Ethiopia, where I'm from. And you, correct me if I'm wrong on this, but you mainly sell other people's brands at Sancho's. So was it a case of finding brands that were manufacturing in Ethiopia and similar places? Yeah, we sell about 100 brands, one of which is our own brand. When we first started, it was all our own brand. And then I quickly realized that designing, manufacturing, exporting, importing, retailing a product line was really challenging. That coupled with, you know, products that sat really well with our own lines and our customers wanted to buy um, led us to, yeah, becoming a stockist essentially. So yeah, one of our key kind of priorities at Sanchez is finding brands that verify their sustainable claims, but make sense for our customer. And yeah, we do tend to sell other brands now. And um, where in the world are you and where are you selling to? I am sat in my living room in Exeter, doesn't leave my bookshelf, um, <laughs> Devon, and we sell all over the world. So uh, particularly pre-Brexit, we had really great business in like Austria, some of them uh, Middle East, as well as the UK, as well as Exeter, as well as like the region. Um, Post-Brexit, that's more challenging, but we're starting to see sales increase um, in the US and in the EU as well. Excellent. Yes, you are one of the podcast guests who's quite close to me as we're both here in the southwest of the of England, recording this one right now. Where are so, you? Um, I'm in Cornwall. Oh, amazing. Down in Cornwall, yeah, even further down the road than Exeter. <laughs> um, but before, before we get to southwest and alienate um, our, our listeners from far and wide around the world, um, so as a retailer, what platform did you choose to sell your products on? Yeah, so we actually started with Shopify um, and way back, I think in 2017 or 2016, and um, we began, we opened our Shopify store, not with the goal of e-commerce, but actually as an inventory management tool for our first pop-up. So kind of like a topsy-turvy way of starting the Shopify business. But I remember at the time they had some kind of subscription offer. We had, you know, I started the business with almost nothing, just... Um, my student overdraft so we had like hardly any money um and they had a free tier to start and yeah that's how we ended up with Shopify I would say like um in terms of actually running Shopify well and you know doing e-commerce marketing well and things like that that's probably um the last two years that we've really got going with it yeah but we're we're on Shopify (laughs) like two million others yeah that's the platform that works for us and what does the team look like uh these days how many of you are there and how are you dividing up the workload? So the business is led by myself and my partner, Vidmantis. So I do most of the creative direction and management and marketing. And he does the kind of the business management and financial management. Then we have a really great brand, like product manager, stylist and buyer uh, in Roberta Jackson Keen, who does the majority of our sourcing and the majority of our kind of visual content creation of course because we've got an e-commerce store visual content creation is one of the like the core activities that we carry out and then um we use our bricks and mortar store to do fulfillment as well as to sell physical products so then we have a two-person team in our exeter kind of store and they look after Uh, customers when they come in they look after customer care both online and in person and then they look after the actual fulfillment of products too 
It's quite an interesting hybrid that I think a lot more a lot more stores, even the national chains, are getting into now, where the physical store staff are looking after the online customers in some way or another, whether it's picking and packing or whether it's literally jumping on the live chat or something. Yeah, uh, you know, the, the reason is because there's so much noise online, a really great way to cut through that is through creating authentic relationships between people. And people who like physical store staff, like they have so many skills, like so many of the relationship building, rapport building, advertising, sales skills that I think it's very easy to take for granted. They are experts in like our shop manager. She's one of the most warm and capable people like I've ever met. And we get amazing reviews. Like, you know, you just glance on our website or our Google or we get these incredible, incredible reviews. And 100% is because of her warmth and how, how comfortable she makes our customers feel. And what we're trying to do, I guess, is make sure that we can extend that beyond just the people who walk through the door to, you know, the wider audience. And with, obviously, at the core of what you're doing with Sanchez is this ethical and sustainable side to things. So how have you, how have you built that into the business from day one? How is that, how, and how do you keep it there, I suppose? How do you keep on track? Okay, so we have some core criteria. Like, so for example, the material that we use should be natural, organic, and regenerative. So as in it can be broken down and remade into something and the labor that's used to create their products should have like fair trade credentials in that the worker should be able to bargain for their rights for their rights to pay and safe conditions and things like that um so we've always had this core criteria since kind of starting our business and we assess everything against that regularly i guess it changes though there have been things that i've really fell we fell short of um so for example one thing that i think we do not very well now is um size inclusivity so we have only about 15 percent of our brands go above a size 16 and this is like a really common and fair criticism of sustainable fashion that you know it doesn't fit the average person (laughs) which is ridiculous if you think about it it's like such an absurd like market gap and like I'm always speaking to our suppliers about that and to be honest internally we've now got like this two-year rule now so after two years if a brand doesn't have size inclusive sizes then we're not going to stock them anymore um that's a big call to make isn't it because usually a brand would be or you know, a business like yours, a boutique, would be dis- making decisions on which brands they keep and which brands they lose based on purely on consumer demand. Mm. Does it sell? Or potentially financial, some level of financial terms. But to do it based on have they adapted enough to our mission, it's a, it's a big decision to make. I think many people listening will be like, wow, that's bold. Yeah, um, it's it's not easy. Like, we know the risks associated with that. We know the risk of, you know, we can measure how much money we'll lose if we lose some key products. But without those boundaries, we simply would stagnate and we simply wouldn't adapt to changing kind of social, environmental understandings. Understanding is probably not the right term for that. But just, yes, adaptation is necessary. And in order to adapt, we need like clear objectives and clear milestones. And I think 
the, the challenging thing is really prioritizing them because of course you can't do everything at once. So you've got to decide, okay, well, what, what's the main priority for me to continue with now? You know, and I find like, I think I really just as a, as the owner and leader in Sancho's, like, I really struggle with my own kind of moral compass a lot. I think I personally got a very strict moral compass. Um, you know, I was, like an ethics student at university and things like that. And so I can like convince myself that anything I do is terrible. You know, I can do something and just find the arguments that say it's an awful, unethical thing to do. So, yeah, so balancing that with actually running an effective business does come with like regular and frequent compromise in, in all honesty. It does. But it's it's this whole thing that we can't be perfect now. There is no perfect retail business we have to there's no perfect business quite frankly if anyone thinks there is one let me know I'd be really interested to hear about it but there I don't think there is because we're all still trying to work out what that looks like you know is offsetting good or bad is uh you know what sort of packaging should we use should we be selling overseas there's all these questions we still can't quite work out so you have you kind of you have to start somewhere you have to start talking about what you're actually doing so Kalkadan, how do you go about telling the customers all the good things you're doing on this journey and, and kind of bringing them into the loop? Because I think you know, businesses like yours are testament to the fact consumers want to find these better products and businesses that are being run better, but many businesses aren't great at actually putting it out there. So, so how do you go about doing that? Yeah, good question. <laughs> I think um, sometimes we do that really well and sometimes we don't. Um, so for example, like like all businesses, we'll use content marketing and social media, um, you know, digital marketing, things like that to just communicate our values to people. I think on reflection, I think the thing that works the best is creating ambassadors of our of our brand and, and business model and giving them the kind of the information and resources they need to kind of spearhead Sancho's 2020 was a really like eye-opening year for us we our online sales grew 400 percent our social media grew 100 percent our engagement skyrocketed like our brand profile skyrocketed and what I realized then I'll tell you why so it was during the kind of the summer the Black Lives Matter summer and people um kind of asking the question you know are they doing enough to challenge you know, racial inequality in society. And as a result of that question, individuals realized that Sancho's had, you know, a unique angle in that, you know, I'm a black female founder. And so suddenly our advertising was being carried out by, you know, a million third parties who are really <laughs> trying to spread awareness about who we were. And suddenly our sales just flew up and people were like really interested in what we were doing, despite us doing the same thing, you know, a month earlier and nobody being interested or, you know, certainly not the same amount of people being interested. I think what I realized there was that like, there is nothing that substitutes virality for business marketing and storytelling. It's the most powerful way to reach out to that third party in the way that they're engaged. And so now what we try to do is um, create those moments of virality. Um, through our content marketing and it helps it's most successful when it's like really aligned to like who we are authentically like it's yeah it's not about kind of faking who we are or what we care about but yeah that's that's that was the lesson for me like <laughs> I sometimes like feel um 
you know, I've tried so many different things over the years to get people interested in our business, like some, some things really random. So, you know, there was a couple of years where I would sell a lot of Ethiopian food just, just cause <laughs> and it was just like a random, <laughs> it's a random way or like launch products. Like I've tried so many different things and I would say the, the thing that works the most is, um, finding like an effective trend and creating like a unique piece of content to align with it which is yeah a bit dull but I think it's true (laughs) yeah I would say not not dull at all but quite tough and involves keeping your ear to the ground and then adapting fast which is um is tricky but the thing is with the, the the topic or the you know the the criteria you use to select your products, you're in with a lot of mission-based, you know, heavy message marketing. So I'm sure there's, I'm sure there's, there's more than the than the average businesses opportunities in that space for you. But Calcan, we're also here not just to talk about what you've been up to um, at Sanchez, but also to talk about Schwab, which is, I believe, a new business you've created in response to a problem you had at Sanchez. Yeah, absolutely. So um, as we've kind of mentioned, Sancho's business model is uh, sustainable in its product provenance. So the, the things that are made are made in an environmentally and social con- socially conscious way. Um, however, the, the nature of the business model is that it drives its entire revenue from the sale of new products. So whatever we were doing, you know, the core kind of function behind our business activity was to find ways to buy and sell new new items. And we just, we found increasing challenge in that. Like, so first I think is the, the kind of environmental challenge is the reality that, you know, if, if complete and consistent growth is the objective, then the natural thing to do is overproduce, you know, whether it's buying 20% more stock than you need, just in case it might sell, or whether it's, you know, lowering a price of something a little bit by using, you know, a slightly worse material um, so that you can you know, increase your margins. and as as we were realizing this, we also found that like our consumer behavior was changing. So more and more people were coming into the store and saying to us that they were doing secondhand September or they were doing the no buy year or they were doing nothing new November. So they were just giving us indication that they had grown to understand that perhaps um, they didn't want to buy anything new. That doesn't mean they didn't want anything from us because, you know, our customers have a huge emotional attachment to Sancho's. You know, they believe in the business, they believe in us as a team, but they were finding in an increasing way they didn't want new things. This coupled with, you know, I'm very close to some of our customers, right? So this coupled with the growing understanding that I had that we had customers who had clothes, you know, wardrobes full of clothes they purchased from us that they weren't wearing for you know, whatever reason, whether that's, you know, their size had changed, maybe they've just given birth, or maybe their taste has changed, or maybe they just found that they had one too many, you know, Breton striped t-shirts and that, you know, one of them wasn't the one they liked to wear. And I think what this, what that really made me think about was, you know, what's the purpose of our business? Is is the purpose of our business to continue offering people more and more new stuff? And are there opportunities that we're not seeing? And I guess what I began to get really excited about was the thought that if we can get some of the clothing that's not being worn back into our shop in some way, potentially we can be making money without selling any new products. And what would that mean for our environmental impact? What would that mean for our social impact? Um, So we began lots of different kind of clothes swap models and buyback models and just, you know, small stuff like that to see you know, how legitimate 
for our business, it would be to kind of tample, tample, dample. What's the word? I can't think of the adverb, but just, you know, try out secondhand until realizing that the best way for us to do it at scale was to leverage peer-to-peer resale. And that's what Schwab does. So so basically we went out and created a platform that enabled us to leverage peer-to-peer resale um, in order to continue to derive revenue for Sancho's on products we've already sold to the customer. And we created it in a way that, you know, all stores can engage with. So basically the way it works is we catalog a listing at point of sale. So say you were to buy a t-shirt from Sancho's that would log into your Schwab account as a Schwab user. When you want to resell that item, you already have all of the product information in, in the account. So you've got the images, the descriptions, the product provenance information. Um, so it's only you click one button and list it into the marketplace. Um, and then when it sells, Sancho's earns a 10% commission on that sale. And what we're trying to... The, the objective for Sancho's is for it to have financial sustainability that isn't reliant on new product sales. Um, the objective for resale retail as a whole is to give businesses incentive to manage and monetize the entire lifespan of the products they create. It's quite clever, isn't it? Because then as a as a retailer, you are going to actively be driving people towards the secondhand marketplace and having a reward for that, which just, it just becomes kind of like it's good for everybody, isn't it? Because clothes are going to sell through faster. The existing Sancho's customers are going to be able to shop the secondhand Sancho's selected product. And then the customer's going to be able to, you know, to sell, sell that product out and without having to do any of the tedious listing, which is so tedious. It is. And, you know, on average, the average UK household has at least a thousand pounds worth of clothing that they don't wear sitting in their wardrobes. And like that amounts to 30 billion pounds worth of clothing that's just sitting somewhere in drawers and wardrobes and attics in the UK. That's just treated like waste when it isn't waste. It's something that has value but there needs to be an easy way for it to continue to circulate within the marketplace. I think it's also really important that retailers and brands are rewarded in the secondary market financially because they are the ones who are most that they're the ones that we want to incentivize the most to create things that retain their value and that are that aren't discarded quickly and I think by connecting the retailer connecting that origin to the kind of end life of an item we hope that we can give retailers a way to you know earn revenue whilst becoming more environmentally sustainable as well. Yeah, which has to be has to be part of the solution. Um, how does it? If I mean, obviously you're, you're quite early on the Schwab journey, but it's out there ready for other retailers to use right now. Kind of in almost the beta stage, I suppose. Normally, you'd hold people would hold on to it in the beta stage, but we need to make changes fast, so it's out there. How if a retailer wants to to partake and and to to take a look? How do they go about doing that, and what's it going to look like for them? Yeah, so just, you know, in October, we've just created a Shopify app. So if a retailer is on Shopify, um, they can download a Schwab app and immediately be integrated into the Schwab marketplace. If they're not on Shopify, they would need to send us a message and we will give them a timeline as to when we'll be able to integrate 
their platform. Um, but the only thing retailers need to do is um, allow us to integrate with their point of sale. So it's often, you know, a series of API links <laughs> and um, a bit of database editing. But it's, yeah, it's very simple. And after they've integrated, there is no uh, operational requirement by the retailer. So they don't have to manage finances. They don't have to manage customer care. They don't have to manage shipping. Like all of that is taken care of by Schwab. So hopefully it's the kind of a, a like you say, like a win-win, like no question offer for retailers to just start thinking about, okay, well, what happens to the things after I sold them? Um, and in terms of the stage we're at, our, yeah, so our pilot is out there. We've got about 2,500 users reselling on the platform and we've integrated with seven brands. So brands like Birdsong, London, Komodo, The Thrifty Stalk, Bird Eyewear, and we're also building out a solution for Thought Clothing, if you've heard of them. Ah, oh, yes, I know I know a couple of people at Thought, yeah. Yeah, so they're really, you know, passionate about circularity and we're building out a solution for them um, through Schwab. And yeah, I guess the brand that we're really excited about, which I probably shouldn't say, but I will anyway, is Patagonia. So we're also working on a solution for them. So it's early days, but things are moving very fast and we've definitely prioritise ease for retailers, essentially. So if anyone wants to get into Schwab, then it's, yeah, you know, we can do that very quickly for them. And all the brands you mentioned are fashion brands. So is at the moment, is Schwab fashion specific? Um, I guess, yes, because of kind of the nature of my networks through Sancho's um, and also just the consumers that we are, you know, in our community currently. But there's no reason why we couldn't integrate with any kind of non-consumer goods. And I'm particularly like excited about when we can start integrating homeware brands because I love a good interior. So (laughs) I do this thing where like I'll only buy something that like I know is super ethical. And now in my head, it's like it has to be secondhand and it has to be on Schwab for me. So yeah, I can't wait for us to get some yeah really nice homeware brands involved as well. It's a bit like you were saying earlier, you know, you have that core criteria and it evolves as new opportunities come. And as we learn more things, that core criteria comes along. I suspect there's quite a few of the listeners who are going, wow, there's a Shopify app that I can add a secondhand marketplace for my customers where I earn a commission. Ooh, it's it's kind of a no-brainer, I think, in, in oh so many ways. And I guess if people head to the Sancho's website, they can see it in action as well as um, heading through to Shop itself. Yeah, so you can head to our Sancho's site and then search for the Sancho's outlet and that will send you to all of the Sancho's products that are being sold secondhand at the moment. So we've got something like 43 items listed and it's just really exciting. And I have to say, like, things sell more than once. So what tends to happen is somebody will have something for a couple of months, pass it on to somebody else and, you know, that continues. Like I think from the consumer perspective... Retailers are worried about secondhand cannibalizing their primary sales. Like that's the fear that they have. Like, will I sell anything new if, you know, if I'm also promoting secondhand? But the reality is like the consumer doesn't care about whether it's new or old. What they care about is the product itself. And if you can communicate to them that they can have a fluid relationship with what they purchase from you, like that you help them continue to get the most value from it. And also you can describe to them what actually happens to their clothes in the long term. Then their relationship you're offering them is so much beyond that initial point of sale that it's just, yeah, it's really powerful. And our customers are really happy. And it's like, um, I've just been, I've been filming a documentary with the BBC, which is going to go live in March 
2022. And part of that show has shown some in-store clothes swapping with people coming in. I, I think one of the most like wonderful things is when somebody comes in with something that they've no longer like they no longer wear so they feel they hold this weird guilt around not wearing it and maybe they're not wearing it because it's not the right size for them so they have this weird like emotional sense of I guess like worry or concern of of that item and then they see somebody find that item and fall in love with it and then they feel so validated in like the reality that what they purchased has this ongoing value in, you know, in our world. And yeah, it's just, it's very, I just think it's really wonderful. <laughs> so yeah. E-commerce master plan is supported by some of the greatest companies in the e-commerce sector. Here's a reminder of who they are. Are you feeling overwhelmed by your business metrics? Well, BeProfit provides merchants with a unique profit dashboard that's flexible and intuitive. BeProfit turns complex data into easy to understand charts and graphs so you can truly understand the financial health of your store. With BeProfit, you can easily discover your true business profits, get an accurate picture of all your expenses, create, export and share custom reports, leverage marketing performance insights, pinpoint your most profitable ad platforms, ad sets, and individual adverts, discover your most and least profitable products. In fact, you can even analyze lifetime value by cohorts. Staying on top of your numbers isn't just about knowing your bottom line. It's about making data-driven decisions that will translate into more profits. With integrations into Shopify, Wix, WooCommerce, and very soon Amazon, it's really easy to get those insights. Join thousands of online sellers who already make sense of their data with the BeProfit app and get 15% off BeProfit by using the discount code MASTERPLAN15. That's 1-5. Just head to beprofit.co. That's B-E-P-R-O-F-I-T dot C-O. Is SMS marketing on your must-do list for 2022? Well, it should be. And it should be something you're looking to get set up ASAP. Yotpo SMS Bump makes it easy for you to grow your SMS database and engage your customers with highly personalized text messages to maximize conversions wherever you are in the world. Whether that's a flash sale, a new product launch, or even a real world pop-up shop promotion, Yotpo SMS Bump gives you everything you need to maximize conversions, including over 30 segmentation filters, personalization at scale and tools to make sure your messages arrive when the customers are awake and you don't interrupt anyone's sleep. Start your SMS journey with Yotpo SMS Bump and get a whole month of text messages for free at ecommercemasterplan.com forward slash SMS Bump. That's ecommercemasterplan.com slash SMSBUMP. It's time for the top tips round. Okay, um, Kalkadine, you've given us a lot to think of already, but we're now going to do the top tips um, section. Are you ready for them? I hope so. Okay, let's go. <laughs> let's go. Um, so the book top tip, if everyone listening to this podcast agreed to take Friday off and read a book to make their business better, which book would you recommend? Okay, so I would say Freakonomics is a fantastic book to read. I think that um, so many decisions people make are actually irrational you know, based on like various behavioral traits and norms. I think it does a really great job of describing what those are. 
Excellent recommendation. Brilliant book. Uh, okay, the traffic top tip. Which marketing method do you either prize above all others or think doesn't get the press it deserves? I would say like conversions management on your website. I would say there is no substitute for having an easy to use, desirable website that loads fast. And um, in terms of ROI, like the best money you can spend is making sure that your landing page does what it needs to do. Excellent advice. And and one of the things I love about conversion rate optimization is that when you improve it, it improves all of your other marketing activity. Yeah, It's like one thing that improves everything. Um, okay. The tool top tip, maybe a collaboration tool, a social media plugin, a phone app, or just a way of working. Is there a cool little tool you use that makes you and your team more efficient from day to day? Yeah, like something which absolutely is core to the way we operate is what we call baseline work. And it's essentially the routine work that we need to do at like various intervals. So whatever we need to do daily, weekly, monthly or quarterly or annually. And everybody knows what their baseline tasks are and everybody knows what other people's baseline tasks are and it helps us coordinate our efforts as a team it makes it much easier to kind of optimize our activities as well so if we find ourselves doing things that you know aren't bringing the returns we expect it's very easy to pinpoint why they might not be and to change and adapt that it's very easy to train new people using um kind of baseline structure and it's also really easy to like let people get on and do their jobs and not you know not micromanage them and like as a small business owner, um, as somebody who's starting a new business, I'm like so reliant on a staff that are like really, really confident, capable, independent. And I think um, baseline, we call it just baseline work. I'm sure there's like technical terms for it, but it works really well. Yeah. Sounds like a, a great way to keep track of what's happening without having to keep track of what's happening, if that exactly. makes sense. Absolutely. Yeah. It's kind of like, in it. honestly, it's godsend. Yeah. It's really good. Excellent. Um, And then the growth top tip. If you met someone today who's focused on growing their e-commerce business from 100 orders per month to 1,000, what would be your number one tip for them? I would say that um, your customer base will tell you the products that they want and like the the clearest way they'll tell you is by buying, right? So as soon as you've identified your hero products, the key items that are going to generate your revenue, you should absolutely scale the, um, the production and marketing of those products. And it's, it's easier to grow, particularly as a small business, um, in depth than in breadth. Very true. Focus on the best sellers, everybody. Um, Kalkadan, you've been an absolute star. So thank you for coming on and telling us, giving us so many tips uh, in terms of what you're doing at both your businesses. Where can the listeners find you and your businesses if they want to find out more? Yep. So uh, Schwab is at app.schwab.uk and at at schwap.uk on Instagram. Um, but you can Google it as well and find us. Uh, and Sancho's is at wow Sancho on Instagram and at sanchoshop.com online. And yeah, just, yeah, we'd be delighted to kind of, <laughs> sorry, I lost my, my train thought. We'd be delighted to have people join us, particularly retailers. If any retailer is passionate about their navigation towards becoming circular to understanding the impact their products are having after the point of sale like we'd really love to help them figure that out cool and can you just repeat those two urls with the spellings as well in case anyone's not sure how to spell sancho's or schwab yep so sancho's is s-a-n-c-h-o-s-s-h-o-p.com and schwab is 
app.shwap.uk. Very professionally done. Thank you, Gal Gadan. That was absolutely spot on. Um, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. It's been fascinating chatting to you and I'm really intrigued to see how things go with, um, with Schwab. I hope they go astronomically through the roof because I think it's such a, you've made it so easy for people to do the right thing um, and to encourage customers to do the right thing too. So thanks so much for creating it and thanks so much for coming on and talking about it too. Well, thank you so much for having me. It's an honour to be part of this show. What an inspiring lady. Um, I thoroughly enjoyed catching up with Calcadan there and I suspect we'll be having her back on the podcast to share more excellent nuggets of, of uh, advice in the future. For me, I think two of the really big things she mentioned in terms of how she runs Sancho's, her own fashion business, was having that core criteria that you set, you establish, you work to, and that, that evolves with you over time. And then how they're leveraging ambassadors and virality in order to grow the sales whilst keeping the, you know, kind of getting the, the message of that core criteria out there. And of course, Schwab. What an amazing app. I think if if I was running a retailer, especially a fashion retailer, I would be going and checking that out because we are starting to see consumers want to head down that, you know, not buying as many new clothes anymore, not buying as many new products anymore, and wanting an easy way to do it, both to sell and to uh, to purchase. And what's easier than having than selling it via the shop you bought it from in the first place? So all the listings already dealt with for you. But we're also, I think we have this responsibility as retailers to start changing consumer behavior towards more, more secondhand purchases, more recycling, more reusing products that last for longer, et cetera. So I think it's a really interesting step in that space. Clearly already getting a lot of traction, some amazing brands already involved. It's certainly going to be one to watch and it's one you can get involved with too very easily if you're already on Shopify. You can get your hands on the notes from today's show, including the top tips, links to uh, to both Calcadine's businesses and other things we've mentioned by heading to over to ecommercemasterplan.com forward slash podcast. There you can also add yourself to our email list so you don't miss out on any of the other things I share to help you improve your business. Now, if you're interested in leveraging ambassadors in your marketing, then go and check out our recent episodes on both influencer marketing and loyalty marketing on our sister show, Keep Optimizing. And if you want to embrace the approach to viral marketing that Calcadan outlined, then check out episode 342, just scroll back to 342, when I interviewed Chip Walker, the author of Activate Brand Purpose, which is all about exactly the sort of marketing she was raving about. Thank you for tuning in to this and every episode that you do of the e-commerce master plan podcast. I bring you a new interview every week because I want to inspire and help e-commerce business owners to succeed and thrive with their businesses. So if you know someone this show can help, please ask them to listen to the e-commerce master plan podcast. I hope you have a great week and don't forget to keep optimizing. Thank you for listening to the e-commerce master plan podcast. Find out more at ecommercemasterplan.com slash podcast.